0: Hi everyone, and welcome to the ADHD Unmasked podcast. My name is Shanetta Trundle. I have been a working fashion professional for the last 11 years of my life. And let me tell you, it has been a struggle. No matter my work ethic or my determination, there was just, there's always something off. So at the age of 33, I decided to get an official diagnosis for ADHD. So now here I am, a year later, trying to navigate career, motherhood, and marriage with this newfound understanding of why I do what I do. Also in accepting myself, I'm no longer afraid of my quirks or if I need to ask for accommodations so that I can be the best version of myself in any environment. Along this journey, I have connected with so many people with ADHD. On this podcast, I will mainly speak with those who have been recently diagnosed to try to understand how they're navigating this new stage of their lives. I'm doing this in hopes that you will understand what it can mean to be a person with ADHD in a neurotypical world. Thanks again for listening and let's get into this episode. So today I wanted to talk about imposter syndrome. This week has been challenging and I don't believe I realized why until today when I had therapy. Um, And in my therapy session, my therapist told me that I was being really hard on myself. And I realized that I was placing unrealistic expectations on myself and being disappointed when I wasn't able to meet those goals. Um, One of the goals that I set was being able to put out a podcast, like my second podcast, which I did put it out. Um, But unfortunately, um, I had to take it down. and it was due to um, the person I interviewed. She just wanted a little bit more time. And, um, you know, I had to respect her wishes. Um, but my first feeling was very negative And I really didn't want to take it down. I was like, girl, we already went through this. It was great. And then I had to realize I'm not mad at her. I respect her decisions. I just was disappointing to myself because I felt as if I was not meeting my own expectations. I had wanted to put the podcast out the week before um, and I spent a long time editing it and I just wanted that part to be done so I can move on to something else. And then to see that, you know, you can't just move things on because you are working with other people and things need approval. Um, I just felt like I was, something got taken away from me. And I felt like I was disappointing myself. I felt like I was disappointing my audience, which I don't even know how big my audience is really. But, and I felt like this huge sense of imposter syndrome, like Who do I think I am? I'm not really doing what people think I'm doing. I'm disappointing myself. I'm disappointing others. And I was just in such a funk. And, you know, there kind of was no reason to be in a funk. It's like, yeah, it's disappointing. You should be able to roll things off. But, you know, having ADHD, I experienced you know levels of rejection dysphoria um uh like you know i i was solely focused on this one mission as well and then like something like stopped it and so that was something else that i had to deal with and so i had to really start breaking down what my feelings were and one i felt like i wasn't being honest to the public or to myself, I felt like I seemed like I was doing stuff, but I wasn't really doing stuff, even though I was really doing stuff. And I just felt like I was lying. Um, I felt like I'm going to waste this time. Like, you know, working in corporate, there is a lack of freedom. And even though I don't love how things happen, I am grateful that I have this freedom, and I'm like, what am I going to do with this time? What am I going to do with this, with my newfound voice? What am I going to do with all of this? And I get back to 2015 when I took time off, and I decided to, um, you know, start my own business and be creative. And I ended up working at the Halloween store and i never really give myself the credit of i was probably the most creative i've been in years i learned so many skills i was i like taught myself so much in that time and that's how i even got into handbags was because i was able to learn so much right and so my illustrations were so much better and but um a part of me feels like i wasted that time and i don't want to use this opportunity and then in a few months when my unemployment is up, have to run back to a space where I don't have the same freedom. I want to be able to establish myself. And I have this fear that I'll run out of time. And so I'm like, okay, so where is this fear from? And the fear is from me not being able to trust myself because in the past, I've disappointed others. I've disappointed myself. I've not shown up how people have thought I should have shown up. And even though I know that's due to undiagnosed ADHD, I still feel a lot of shame and a lot of guilt. And so I was feeling and acting really hard on myself. And When I spoke to my therapist today, another thing I came to realize, besides that I was being hard on myself, was that I really don't know how to be productive without being hard on myself. Um, uh, People don't know this, but when I was a teenager, I I was like the same size I am now, but I was like 241 pounds when I was 15. And I grew up in a very strict household. um, And my mom was very conscious of my weight, even way more than I was. And so when she would say things about my weight or when my dad would say something about my weight, my reaction was to be defiant and to be body positive and be like, I'm fine the way I am. And I was until I wasn't. And eventually, it got in my head. And then I got scared because I was 240 and I was 15. And I thought, oh my gosh, if I keep going, I'll be 300 pounds and then, you know, have to get gastric sleep, whatever. So basically I scared myself into losing weight. I watched some really unhealthy shows. Uh, like Oprah, like French women don't get fat. And like, I followed that diet where I would like eat half of my food and I worked out. And eventually by the time I got to 17, by the time I went to prom, I was like a size six. I was like 152 pounds. It was something insane. And, um, you know, I mean, it took me two years. So it wasn't like a fast thing, but I basically kind of out of fear lost weight. And then when I thought about, again, talking to my therapist about me losing weight in um, post-graduation when I moved to New York. And even though like I built a community and so working out was fun, um, but I was working out three days a week for two and a half hours. And it just, I still was never small enough. And I just kept pushing to be as small as I possibly could. And I mean, I was I was pretty strong and um, I was able to do things that I had no clue that I could do, um, but it just was never enough. And then when I like gained weight, moved back to Ohio, got married, again, I feared myself into, or hated myself into losing the weight. And I say all this to say, and I got and to like hit the goals. I And when I talked to, but then when I talked about my body image with my therapist, I said like the most confident I've ever been in my body besides when I was 14, besides when I was 14, um, which was before I had like that revelation, um, was when I was pregnant with my first son and she told me to really look back on that time and why did I feel that way? Um, because I ate for nourishment, I ate for him. I ate, I worked out because I was amazed by what my body was doing and how it moved and how I could I got into yoga, I was still lifting weights, I still pushed myself. It was, there was just this immense love and appreciation for my body. And I feel like that is, I and I trusted myself, I guess, in that way too. And I feel like that's kind of how, I want that feeling again with loving on my body. And I want that feeling with the work that I do. I want to be totally and wholly confident in myself. I know that's not something that's gonna be easy because I have to undo a lot of the damage that happened in the last five years, in the last 10 years. And I have to learn to trust myself. Okay, so in between this part of the episode and the next um, was about a week and some self-reflection. Also, I learned a new term, um, which I'm gonna tell you about um, in the next 15 minutes or so. And this uh, term has been a really unlock Um, and so, yeah, let's get into it. And, um, just wanted to let you know, it's like, so these tie together. The term, uh, Alex. How do you say this? Alexithemia. And so I've always said that I don't, I never could really understand what I'm feeling. It's just like, I know I feel bad. And in previous like newsletters and then previous um, statements and things like I just always thought like, Oh, I just really like self-awareness. And you know, I didn't. And even when I Googled the term, I was trying to find like a sp- very specific term. It wasn't even, and it was still more of a, it wasn't even really a specific, it was like a, a little more generalized term actually. And then this came up and I'm like, Oh, so this is a real thing. So when I'm just, especially when I'm overwhelmed. Like, I don't like, I don't know what's happening. When I was when I was reading about it, they were saying that it's almost like emotions are happening to you versus you experiencing them. It's you don't always understand why are you were just angry or um, you, and maybe you may not understand it as anger. You know, it's like, i you just know something's wrong. Like something's wrong. I'm really, I just want to take to the bed. I just want to rest. I just want to recharge. I just want to lay flat. And that is how I felt last week. I didn't feel like doing anything after last Monday. And it was just a series of a few things. And I think it started with like that first first thing I got rejected. Then I got stuck underground at my old job. <laughs> Then, as that was happening, I realized I had to take down the podcast that I had put up that I had worked so hard to put up and that I already was late on and by eight o'clock that evening, you could not you could not um pay me to stay awake because I'm like, I just am tired and and my husband was like, you know there's nothing wrong nothing really happened and I'm like, I don't I can't even tell you I'm just off I'm just sad. I'm just, I just need to go rest. And I was unable to articulate why I felt that way. You know, I'm like, there's really nothing to be sad about. Like, maybe there was some rejection dysphoria because I was rejected from a job that I really didn't want. Uh, Maybe there was, um, you know, disappointment. But these are things that I had to process afterwards. It wasn't something that I understood or it wasn't something that I could pinpoint in the moment. I was just like, I'm just sad. I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm just sad. I just want to go to bed. I just want to go to sleep. And sleep is really my number one way of dealing with any kind of stress. Um, Whether it's I've gotten to a big argument or um, when I used to have blowups at work and I don't feel like this was really in my last job. It was more like internal blow ups, but probably my first job when I would have a blow up or something. Or um, I would just like I just always go sleep. Or when if I had a hard conversation at work, I was just like, oh, I just need to go to sleep. And, you know, not being able to fully understand my emotions. Also like, I don't know, sometimes it just makes me feel like I'm doing emotions wrong, you know, Um, and even yesterday morning, I was thinking like when somebody, even though I'm such an emotional person, I'm a Pisces, I'm ADHD, reject sensitivity is for you. When people die, I feel like I have really weird emotions and I haven't really said this out loud to people outside of my husband, Um, but I don't know why, but I feel like I don't do death in a way that I should. And I feel like I should be more sad or I should be, um, I don't know, like, I don't really, as much as I cry, I'm not, like, I, I will cry when somebody dies, but I don't know, I just don't feel like I'm feeling it as intensely as I should. And I wonder if it's how I process death. Like I just always thought, well, I've been, I'm a pastor's kid. I've been around death my entire life. Like my first, the first funeral that I remember going to, I think I was about two or three. Um, and I know I lost my aunt Nanny. She died when I was about two, but I kind of remember her. And then I kind of remember her just being gone. Um, and she was my dad's aunt too. She was like 98 when I was two, so. um but yeah, so i've been around death uh people dying uh, i remember when my dad this is creepy but it's not super creepy but when my dad his mentor and our pastor um at the time i was i was about 6 when he died and my dad became pastor after that and he like we went into <laughs> we went into like the the um funeral home and so and i'm like looking at the casket with my dad and he was like, I, maybe I was holding his hand. I don't know, but he was like, "You can touch the body. They're not. They're not there no more." And I was like, "What?" He was like, "Yeah, just touch it." And I was just like, "Okay." And so I touched, uh, you know, the hand of um, of his mentor uh, as well as our former pastor. And he was, he, it was nothing there. So fast forward uh, about uh, sixteen years, when my dad died, and I they were like, oh, do y'all want to go? You want to go say goodbye to your dad? And um, at this point, he had—he was dead. We were in the hospital, but they hadn't moved his body. And I went in and I went to hug him. And I was like, oh, 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 nope. I was like, I touched him. And I was like, he's not there. Literally, this is the same reaction that I gave. So I'm like, I must have looked so weird to everybody in that room. But I was like, well, he's not there. I guess it's time to go. Like, what's what should we do next? And And it wasn't that I wasn't sad. It was just, to me, he wasn't there. And so it was like, literally like, so today, like, so to me the day before when I actually saw him alive in a way that was a time, that was my last time seeing him. And, you know, I know I was really angry when he died and I held that anger for a super long time. Um, but I still don't know. I'm like, should I have been different in that moment? Should I have handled my grief differently. Um, same when my, my my grandma died, like, you know, I, I don't know if I, and I was on a really heavy antidepressant at the time too. <laughs> so I don't know if I had like processed that right. I know that my that was like, actually, when I got back to work, that was kind of like the beginning of the end uh, for me. Um, but I don't know if I process emotions, right? And maybe these are two separate things, but um, all I know is like things will be off and then I'll just keep going and not realize that things are off. And having this definition or having this term, this, how do you say it again? Alex thymia, it's really interesting because like I said, like it really describes how I feel or how I don't understand my feelings at times. And then I also found some really cool resources. Like uh, there's two different emotional compasses, emotion compasses. One is developed by Ansel Ing Zsiening or Jan Reeder Steiger at the Institute of Psychological Counseling in Norway. So that's that's who developed the website that I was reading through, and that um, there is like a tool that you use, and it it what they're saying on this um it's like a one pager, and you can get it read to you as well. Um, and I will put the link in the newsletter. Um, they they're saying that. They're saying that you have to almost look at the emotion and the feeling, kind of like separating yourself from it, right? So because you don't understand what you're feeling, you have to kind of tap in and say, hey, like, how's my body feeling? And like, really listen to your body and then kind of visualize words and colors. And I felt like that just really made me feel alive, like, yes, like that makes sense. You know, when you feel a emotion and you can't exactly describe it, you know, it, are you feeling gray? Are you feeling a sound like, Mah! you know, like what is that? And so this, this uh compass, that this emotional compass tool that they created, it like allows you to name the feeling in, a color or shape or mood like you it, it doesn't make you say like oh this is anger or, this is melancholy or this is like you can just describe it by what it feels like and what it looks like to you in your in your mind's eye and um and then they say go through a saying of like you know treat the emotion like it's a child and you want to say like hey are you okay like a shy child like hey are you okay like what's up like do we like and like kind of coax it out of its shell, and then that way you can name it. And I'm like, that's, it's just like, oh, like, cool. Like, I can do that. Now, will I be able to do it 100% of the time? No, I probably need to print this out in a simpler way um, and make a, a actual tool for myself. But um, it's just, it's just genius for somebody like me who really just doesn't have that in, my um in my in my arsenal and then there's also another person she created um an app that you can get on ios and it's called the emotional compass application um and so her um the person who created that she's american and her her realm of study is people who have had um traumatic brain injuries but this is also common in people on the autism spectrum, this autism spectrum as well as uh, ADHD people. Um, So yeah, I just think it is just another tool that I will be using to, um, again, be more compassionate on myself or more compassionate to myself, be more gentle on myself, but also um, just to understand myself more and something that I want to incorporate again, which is something that I started prior to any coaching or true understanding, was like journaling how I felt. And I started that on a, my leave of absence from working last January, or not January, December. And what I loved was like I realized, like you know, by writing down things, when one, one, I spell a lot easier. I'm not trying to rush and go so fast. Um you know i can just really like check in with myself and um it's just something that i want to try to incorporate more um in like a daily routine i'm not saying i'm going to do it all the time but i think in this moment it would be beneficial for me um just to start again just so that i can know what i'm feeling and how i can respond to um, to my emotions um so yeah that's i think that's part that's part two of the episode. Um, also, I I will try my hardest to get an episode out every Wednesday. Um, and I want y'all to hold me accountable. If, you know, the podcast isn't out, you can hit me up on LinkedIn. You can hit me up on TikTok or um, I'm just building out my Instagram um, for it. But, you know, message me on <laughs> iCloud, like whatever, I I wanna utilize this community as a space of like, yes, accountability, yet of education um, and growth. Uh, And I'll just do one more sidebar. I went to, um, my son, my youngest son was diagnosed um, as on the autism spectrum um, when he was about 15 months. And um, today I went to one of like the parent education classes. And it was so fun just to see him interact. Like he was going to a normal daycare, but I don't really get to see him all day, you know, because he went to normal daycare. And seeing him interact, seeing other kids with ASD at like such small ages, and like I I don't know, it just was it was just loving. Um, It just made me happy um, to see that we we are all kind of going through this process and just learning about autism and also. You know, I have a bad habit of pointing out when other people are neurodiverse, but just seeing like all the parents in here too, not all the parents, but there was definitely a few. Um, But just seeing like we all need to come together and, you know, share and bond and be in community because it just, it gives you strength. It gives you hope. And um, yeah, so that's what I want um, ADHD Mass to be. Um, I want us to be a community uh, for all past guests who've been on. I want to make sure that I'm able to talk to them continuously um, just because I feel like this is, this is, I feel like this is what I'm supposed to be doing right now. And um, yeah, I'm rattling on, but I just want to say thank you all to anybody who has listened um, who shares the podcast. Just thank you so much. And, um, I will see you next week. And if y'all don't see it by Wednesday, message me on LinkedIn. All right. I love you all and have a good night.